This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. John Clayton joins us here on the Orion Fuels and Downstairs Convenience Stores guest line. Truly steps beyond convenient. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning, everybody. So tonight we get Dolphins and Ravens, and it's it's surprising. You know, last night was really good. Last week, excuse me, was really good also. Do you have any rhyme or reason as to why the Thursday night games have been so good this year? Well, I, I think they made a concerted effort to try to just get away from what had been the division games uh, and infecting all 32 teams. I mean, that was seemingly the, the thing that they tried to do, having everybody involved, and of course that meant you had a lot of bad teams that were involved in some of these games. I mean, you can see that they've been trying to be selective in trying to get some of this. So the reason they were taking division games is they figure it's easier for the teams to prepare because you prepare for these teams uh, twice a year, and so you have more familiarity. But now I think they're trying to mix and match a little bit more. And so uh, there was maybe about three teams, maybe four teams, that they did not include in the mix on Thursday night football. So uh, I think there's an effort to try to do it, but again, you're not going to be perfect in picking the games, but I think they've been better this year, and certainly I think it's you know it's helped the ratings, and it certainly has helped the game. Now, as far as our team is concerned here, Matt Moore obviously gets the start against Baltimore in Baltimore tonight. Would you would you assume that it's possible Jay Cutler has taken his last snap as the starting quarterback for the Dolphins? No, I wouldn't say that because I think you see the insistence of Adam Gaze that uh, once Jake is healthy, he's going to go back to him. And uh, remember, he's the coach, and the fans aren't picking the quarterback. The coach is picking the quarterback. And so, uh, you know, depending on how long the multiple-week injury is with the ribs, then I would anticipate that Jay's going to be back. So, no, I don't think this is the last time you're going to see Jay Cutler. So expect him sometime back uh, within the next couple weeks. Is there a better backup quarterback in the league than Matt Moore? I've always had him somewhere in that top three or four. Uh, there's probably you know a couple better. I mean, maybe you can argue that Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit better, but no, he's a he's a good solid backup quarterback. I mean, somebody that I think you can depend on. But then you know when you go to backup quarterbacks, there's always going to be a drop off in the number of points you can expect. I mean, the normal expectation is that uh, if you have a real good starting quarterback and you go to the backup, it's about six or seven points. Now, you know, in the case of Matt Moore, I mean, he does have the ability to score you know twenty, twenty three, twenty four points in a game. So, no, I think he's a very good backup quarterback, very dependable. But now you start to worry, at what point does age start to play in there and uh, there's going to be a drop-off? I don't know if he's there yet, but no, he's a very good backup quarterback. Now, the Ravens tonight, they are a they're a three-point favorite, which is standard home field advantage. But I do find that a little bit surprising, John. You know, the, the Dolphins have won three in a row. And they've made fourth quarter comebacks in, I, I think, three of their four wins this year. The Ravens are really struggling. The quarterback play is very poor. Does that surprise you that the Ravens are favored in this game? Uh, not really. I, I, you still look at the uh, overall low scoring of the Dolphins this year. Now, particularly, you know, it, it is getting better, which is encouraging. And uh, but when you look at the fact that they're scoring, you know, two weeks ago it was twelve point two points a game. That uh, I think is going to affect things. 
and then you look at the idea that the, the Ravens do have a, a good defense. I mean, they're certainly struggling on offense, and they're, where they're really struggling is in the injury front. You look at that injury list, it's ridiculous. I mean, here's a team that has 16 players on the injured reserve list. They, uh, I mean, five of their top wide res- seven wide receivers are questionable or have some kind of an injury, and so they are really, really banged up. But I think that uh, you, you look at the pedigree of the team, and you can see that they probably would pick Baltimore to be the favorite. What's been the big problem so far this year with Flacco? Uh, a lot of things. I mean, first off, there's no dependable-type receiving core for him. Now, even though they have a lot of veterans, I mean, they have Jeremy Macklin, but of course he missed the game last week. You know, you have Mike Wallace, who is not that deep threat that he used to be. And so that's issue number one. Number two is that uh, he started the season with a back injury that kept him out pretty much the whole preseason, and so he didn't really get a chance to uh, go ahead and uh, get a lot of things going and getting into the season. And then third, they're not getting the ball downfield. I mean, everything has been kind of just short type passes for a guy with a big arm. And so with that yard per attempt being down, the fact that uh, there's not, they're not scoring much, so there's a, a bunch of issues like that. And so a, a quarterback like uh, Flacco, who at one point was considered elite, has not been playing like an elite quarterback. I mean, you look at the stats, and he's somewhere more in the 20s than even in the high teens. John, when does the attention start shifting away from Devontae Parker and moving more towards Landry when it comes to a new contract next year? Because at the beginning of the season, everybody was looking at it, and, and clearly the Miami Dolphins were all in on Devontae Parker. But missing the last three weeks and, and kind of being a little bit ginger to get back right now, uh, what is your thoughts on, on that, that momentum changing? Well, I mean, I, I think that there's uh, always going to be the effort to try to get something done with Landry, but the problem is at what price? Because, I mean, you look, he's part of that 2014 class of wide receivers, and you've got, you know, eight or nine that are really good from that class, and they're going to be so costly because now you're talking about, you know, in that range of, say, $15, $16, 17000000 million a year. So I think there's a definite sticker shot type of thing as far as Landry. So I don't think there's been any variation in the idea of trying to sign him. It's just going to be the cost. Can they do it? And can they get such a good deal? Because if you're going to be one of those 2014 wide receivers, you don't want to be too quick in getting a deal because you know, you know the money's going to be big, and so you're not going to jump at just the first couple offers. How about what's going on in Buffalo right now and how productive they've been? It's amazing. I mean, Sean McDermott has really come in. I mean, I think both he and Sean McVay have been you know, two of the most effective coaches that have come in new and done a lot of good things. I mean, they've got a good defensive line. I think they've been able to squeeze out as much as they can from an offense that uh, is really kind of star for wide receivers, and they're having success even though they're not even running the ball well because here's LaShawn McCoy. You know, he's probably having his worst season as far as yards, yards per attempt, and all that. He really hasn't kicked it in gear yet. So uh, it's a pretty remarkable job just being so competitive, so able to battle every week and do a lot of good things. All right, we'll get back to the Dolphins in a moment here. And, of course, if you want to get in with John, you can take your calls, your questions, 786-360-0790, or your texts at 67974. Got a lot of teams in the league that are either 500 or 4-3, and 4-2. and two. We got a lot of teams that are all bunched together so far uh, almost midway through the season. Give me a couple teams that you actually believe, John, are, are a cut above the rest. Hmm, I mean, in some ways, it's, it's kind of hard to find. I, I think that uh, even though they're not 4-3 and three or 3-4, three and four, I think that you can see that the Rams are starting to establish themselves to be for real. I mean, they're, uh, they, they've improved their offensive line with Andrew Whitworth, getting John Sullivan at center, and they've got uh, 
change the quarterback, uh, Jared Goff, has done a really good job. So I think that you can see that's one team that has emerged. And another one that is now starting to emerge, we'll see if they can continue, is going to be the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Saints now, even though uh, they still have a defense that's very suspect, is starting to show with their offense, with Drew Brees, and also with an improved defense, that they can be a factor. A lot of people now think that they might be the best team in the NFC uh, South. And so I think you can see they're starting to establish themselves. And now we'll see where the Houston Texans go. Because, I mean, certainly when you're looking at great play from the quarterback, Sean Watson has done a phenomenal job. We'll see if that sustains when they come here to Seattle. But uh, I think those three teams right now are starting to establish what's been kind of a uh, mediocre start for a lot of teams. What about the Steelers? They were the most criticized team just a month ago, and now it seems like they've turned things around despite all the drama. Yeah, but I think what it comes down to is that you look both in New England and Pittsburgh, it's more by default than anything else. Because you look at New England, even though in the last three weeks they've gotten a little bit better on defense, they still rank among the worst defenses in the league. And you look at Pittsburgh's offense and with the drama, I mean, there's so many, so many problems. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is still showing the best he can. And then you look at the drama with Martavius Bryant now being going to be inactive this week after complaining about getting the balls out there. But I, what, what, the amazing part about the AFC is that uh, scoring. I mean, you've got uh, Pittsburgh last week was scoring below 20 points a game. And with that in mind, you had nine teams in the AFC scoring less than 20 points a game. The 29-point effort by the uh, Steelers put them now at 21. So you have eight AFC teams scoring in the teens. And so I think because of that, what's, what has caused is both Pittsburgh and New England to get off to slow starts, but now they emerge as being among two of the three best teams in the conference because the conference right now is playing so bad. John, I don't know if you saw on the television broadcast of that Steeler game last weekend. Did you notice anything, or did you hear through the grapevine of what was going on between Ben and, and Tomlinson on the sideline going into the halftime? Uh, I saw that like Tomlinson was trying to talk to Ben about something. Ben kind of really gave him a two-piece and, and got excited and turned his back on Tomlinson, and Tomlinson looked irritated as hell. Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but it doesn't surprise me because I think that you can see there's so many uh, things going on with this team as far as trying to get the offense going. and. You know, Ben's going to uh, concentrate and not necessarily take some criticism maybe during the game. I mean, certainly he doesn't take it from his teammates. I mean, he's trying to establish. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me because it seems like it's a very irritated team, particularly with the offense. I mean, defensively, they're doing great. I mean, the second-best defense or secondary is playing as good as they've had maybe in about 10 years. But I think there's you know, a certain frustration and a certain bunch of problems that they have with Ben and the offense. All right, again, now's the time. It's the only time and place you could talk to John Clayton yourself or send in your questions, 67974 on the Coral Springs Automall Kia text line. Also want to talk to John about Cam Wake. So, John, we'll put you on hold here, all right? Okay, sounds good. All right, so again, more with John Clayton. That's coming up next. All right, we can take your text questions for John, 67974. John, I want to talk to you here about Cam Wake, who is uh, – Having have a remarkable season. He's already got six sacks. He had two and a half sacks last game. He is performing at an incredible rate considering that he is 35 years of age. And I think I asked you this before the start of last season as far as Cam Wake and Hall of Fame possibilities. And and you you were pretty you said no, and I agreed. I, I did not think so. But I, I think we're at the point where we may have to start reconsidering the idea of Cam Wake being a Hall of Famer. Do you still believe that he's not? And if that's the case, why not? Or what would he have to do to get consideration? Yeah, I mean, really what it comes down to, because, again, we just watched Jason Taylor go in rightfully. So, I mean, you almost have to get into that 100-sack range to 
uh, you, you look at the competition for the uh, Hall of Fame, and that's really where it kind of heads when you're talking about a pass rusher. And so, you know, we, he's 35, and, of course, you've got Julius Peppers at 37. Uh, Dwight Freeney just came back uh, to the league signing with Seattle. I mean, if he can sustain this for maybe, you know, from 35 to 37 and continue to, you know, have 10, 11, 12 sack seasons, somehow get into the 100-sack range, then I think it's a consideration. So the closer he can get to over 100, then I think that then you start to get more consideration. So getting the six sacks right now is a good start. But I think really, and it's not like it's a requirement, but I think what it comes down to is it's what you need if you're going to be a Hall of Fame uh, caliber guy. So uh, if he can get into the 100, then I think he's got a shot. How does the CFL performances kind of stack up when it comes to the voting? And, and realistically, how, how much does that impact the, the voting to get in? It doesn't, uh, because, again, you're considering what he does in a National Football League. I know Warren Moon had such great stats uh, when he was in the CFL. He made the Hall of Fame on a first vote, but he did it with what he was able to do in the National Football League, because, again, it's not what he does in the CFL that's going to be taken out. And that's why it, it hurts to a certain degree, because you know he lost years of service that could have been in the NFL. But, of course, uh, you know he's come in and he's done such a great job for the Dolphins, and it's great to see that he's continuing to even get better at this age. But the CFL part does not go in because it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I know that uh, you know Canada is something that is in his past, but it really doesn't play into the NFL part of it. I was talking with these guys earlier this morning about the possibility of, of how – how you can get like another offensive tackle in the voting process, or maybe having former players sit down and saying the beast that they had to go against, and if Cam Wake's name constantly came up, how much will that impact his ability to go ahead and get pushed into the Hall of Fame as opposed to the generic Pro Bowl, putting guys in a room and just wanting to get out of that meeting and putting a name down, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it, it does help, there's no question, because I know when, when the seniors have their meeting, they usually have uh, one or two people that are going to be advisors, and those advisors will be talking about the things that you're talking about, particularly, let's say, it's an uh, offensive lineman is going to be one of the advisors, and naturally, we get a lot of information from players that uh, come in and talk about how this player does and how that player does. I mean, we, I probably get uh, two or three emails each, maybe not even more than that, maybe four or five emails a week with uh, recommendations and stuff of that nature. But, uh, you know, in the room we have 48 voters. Two players are in the room. Dan Fouts is in the room and James Lofton's in the room. So we're always listening because, again, we want to do the best job we can because obviously what our job is as Hall of Fame voters is to get guys in. It's not to prevent guys from getting in. And we have 15 viable candidates when we get into the room right before the Super Bowl, and we have to say no that year to 10. How much does the lack of winning, I mean, he's only appeared in one playoff game, how much does the lack of winning hurt Cam Wake? It hurts to a, a minimal degree. Years ago, it was more pronounced because it's like if you didn't get into the Super Bowl mix, you weren't getting in. But uh, in the recent years, I think it's opened up a lot more because I think the voters like myself, you know, we want to evaluate the player, not necessarily the team that they play for. So guys like Andre Tippett who played on New England Patriot teams that weren't very good. Cortez Kennedy, he went to one playoff game during his career. We, we're more amenable right now. We, ju- we judge the players and try to get the players in, not necessarily the teams with the players. You mentioned Freeney and uh, and Julius Peppers as as comps. Th- those guys are Hall of Famers, right? Like, they're going to get into the Hall I of Fame. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, let's get to some text questions here for John Clayton. You can text him in at 67974 if you'd like. Go ahead, Amber. Yeah, John, a texter asks where you'd rank the Dolphins' defense among the 32 teams. 
I'd say right now probably about uh, in the 9 to 10 range uh, is, is certainly statistically in that realm. And, again, I, I still there, there's something that's just so off right now in the AFC as far as offenses. But, uh, you know, I'd say 9 or 10, which, of course, is a significant improvement from last year, and it's gotten a little bit better as far as stopping the run. Since we're talking defenses, the Bucks have given up 68 points the last couple of weeks to offenses that are mediocre at best. What's going on with their defense? Pass rush. Uh, it's just not there. Uh, you know, they kind of went and maybe, you know, they took a gamble and now the gamble probably did not go because I know that uh, Jason Light, the general manager, was hoping to have a second year of building back up the defense. And so he had an opportunity to get O.J. Howard in the draft. So he stayed on offense and then he was able to get Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jackson at wide receiver to help the quarterback. But in the meantime, you know, they, they still needed better at the pass rush. They had Robert Ayers from last year and Noah Spence. Now Noah Spence goes on the injured reserve list. So he's out for the season. Ayers is a little bit older and not doing as well. I think they're the only team in the league that has single-digit sacks. And so not getting the sacks with uh, you know, the cornerback play, they're giving up way too many yards, too many points. And it's really been a big disappointment. Speaking of sacks, Tobin's Jaguars with 10 sacks last weekend. Are, are these Jaguars for real? Are they going to be winning their division? Uh, Saxonville, as they're now calling it, yeah. uh, not Jacksonville, uh, is uh, and really they were a good defense last year. And now they're the sixth-ranked defense in the league statistically. But, boy, I mean, they are so good because you're looking at the, probably one of the best cornerback tandems in the league. You know, you get Calais Campbell to a talented defensive line. It really is good. But the thing that holds them back is Blake Bortles because, uh, you know, if Blake Bortles can at least hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette, then they have a chance. But if he has to try to pass and win games, that holds them back. So right now it's a pretty even race as far as the whole division because Jacksonville has the defense. Houston has Deshaun Watson. Tennessee's a running team. They're stumbled here late, late. But, no, I think that they definitely have a chance. But, again, the concern is Blake Bortles. A texter asks if you think that the Giants should start Davis Webb sometime this year to see what they got, and do you expect that the Giants are going to have to gut the front office? Uh, I don't I don't see it. I just saw the Giants last week, and they are terrible, but they've got nothing at wide receiver. I mean, they've got basically three practice squad players and an injured Sterling Shepard at the wide receiver. If you put uh, any quarterback out there, including Eli Manning, he's going to struggle. I think that would be you know, not a service to uh, the team to be able to put a young quarterback out there. So stay with Eli Manning. He still is the franchise quarterback, and I think there's going to be some consideration because, you know, this with being the bye week, Jerry Reese, the general manager, took total blame for the roster, and right now the roster is just not good. Do you think the Falcons stumbles right now as Sarkeesian's fault on offense? Very much, I think, a good part of it, yeah. Because, I mean, you can see some holes in the way that he's calling plays. You know, not running the ball enough in the second half, not being able to consistently get the ball in the red zone to Julio Jones. It just doesn't seem to be working. Now, part of that has to go to Matt Ryan. And, you know, Matt, maybe it's a conversion issue because you notice in the first year with Kyle Shanahan, there was a lot of problems. Yeah, that I mean, issues. It just was not working. And so uh, maybe it just takes him another year or so to adjust to a new coordinator, but it's not working right now totally with Steve Sarkeesian. John, is the Dolphin fan going to be happy tomorrow morning? You would, I don't know. It's hard to tell because, again, uh, you'd feel you're happy if it was going to be a home game. Being on the road, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the one concern is that Jay Ajayi, you know, is a, is really good with the running game, but now that uh, they got Brandon Williams back in Baltimore, I mean, they're going to be pretty decent stopping the run. And if you don't have the running game to go with a backup quarterback, you know, that may be tough to get points. All right, John, excellent job. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, thanks.
All right, that's John Clayton. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.